Welcome back to Many Windows. My name is John Cassie, and I'm joined as always by my dear friend and co-host. Jennifer McGlemory. Good to see you, John. Jennifer, week four. Yeah. Yeah. We're getting we're getting into a rhythm here. I know. Recording once a week and turning it around really quickly. That's frightening. <laughs> but also awesome. Uh, we got a lot of we got a lot of good feedback from the episode last week with uh, with Valir Shrupp talking about SEL. Um, I had I've had emails coming into me, you know, throughout the week saying this was a really helpful framing. And my hope is that um, that this week we have much the same with our guest. But Jennifer, before we introduce our guest, why are we doing this? So you know, we started out this season actually with long form. We did five episodes about transgender youth, and then we found ourselves in the middle of distance learning and felt like there were some important things that we were learning as educators that kids were experiencing for the first time. And we really wanted to just capture those in the moment, turn it around quickly and get it out so that um, our listeners could benefit from different perspectives on distance learning and could learn from one another. Right. Which is why uh, we've, uh, we've made the choice that we made, and why we have the guest we have today. Right? That's right. This week, it was my turn to pick the guest. So our first week, we had a head of school in independent schooling, you remember, and then we had a teacher from my school, and then we had a librarian, head librarian, um, that was your guest. And so now, the moment you've all been waiting for is a real live, authentic student. So it's yep. my pleasure to introduce you to Ronan Park, who is a junior in high school. Ronan, say hi to our guests. Uh, hello, everybody. I am, in fact, a real living high schooler, um, a junior in high school in Southern California. And I'm happy to be here. We are delighted to have you. So uh, Ronan, you must have some initial sort of takes on how things are different. Right? Uh, yeah. So g give us, give us uh, some of your perspectives. Well, I mean, obviously, it's, we've been in the COVID a while at this point. And so I think that um, school certainly is very different now. And I think that as a result of COVID, <clears throat> online school has had some good things that come out of it mean, but a lot of things that are obviously not preferential. And especially for me, um, uh, I'm in the, I, I, in my life, I'm in the performing arts and at my school, I'm involved with both the choir and drama programs. And I know that um, online school has especially affected those. And I, I know other extracurriculars, sports, of course, and all that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the issues we're having in school are just kind of the issues everyone's having in the rest of life, life with COVID. I mean, even before at the end of last year, when I was a sophomore, um, it was it was similar issues with just communication and not being able to see people and all of that. Um, yeah, yeah, have have you have you found that not just with regard to schoolwork and and school life, but just life in general, that it's been it's been a time of like kind of craziness, like like what what is going on with my life? How did this happen? Kind of thing. 
Yeah, it's certainly crazy. Like thinking back to where I, what I was doing every day and like where I was in February. Yeah. To now, where, to now seven months later is kind of insane to me. Yeah. I used to be so, I, I used to be at school for sometimes like 13, 14 hours a day straight. Right. And now I often do not leave my house most days of the week. And I, and I'm a pretty extroverted person. I am an active person. And so um, that certainly has been one of the biggest things is just not being able to get out as much and not being able to be as active in the same way. That's Ronan, got to be hard. Academically, I'm really interested. One of the reasons that I wanted you to come on and I specifically wanted someone who is, you know, in, in their at least junior year of high school, you know, junior year of high school is a really important year academically, right? For setting yourself up for that college you want to go to. And there's so many important things that happen. And I know we're only really a month into the school year, but do you have a sense of how school, like how you're going to be able to do school and be able to achieve in, at those high levels that you've always achieved at? Yeah. So, so like, as you said, I, I am a strong academic student. I have always been, it just is something that comes, I mean, I'm, it's not me trying to brag. I, I just am generally a, I do well at school. I, yep. and so, and this year is a, been like a, this is the first year in high school that I'm taking AP classes. I'm taking three, I'm taking bio, um, calculus and AP Lang. And so, um, it's, I mean, academics in general is just so different now from how it was last year. And um, I'd say one of the biggest things is that now so much is on you, so much more so. You, there is so much less handholding. And not that there was a lot of handholding in high school anyway, but it's all on you to be driven. And thankfully for me, I'm a pretty driven person when it comes to academics. And I don't usually have an issue with like self-motivation to get my work done. But I know other people who are struggling so much with that. And it's a really hard thing when you're assigned, you don't do the majority of your work in class. Generally class is just, you receive information and then you're, it's like you're, then you get the Google classroom assignment. Your work is due on Friday. And it's like, when am I going to do that work? And some people just, can't deal with that. And even for me, it's been really difficult trying to figure out how to balance that work for myself. What do you, what do you think teachers listening to this show ought to be doing? Not, not how they should be helping you quote unquote feel, right? But rather think about the structural question of education in this kind of forum. Do you have some thoughts, suggestions? I know there's, there's dozens and dozens of teachers, schools all over the country that listen to this show. What do you think they ought to be thinking about? Anything come to mind? I think that teachers need to be thinking about how to use the time efficiently. Because I know like in uh, the model my school is using, we don't meet in every class every day. We yeah. meet in each class every other day. Yeah. And so that means that there's just not as much in-person instruction time. And so I think the important thing for teachers is to really make that time and make their curriculums as efficient as they can be, because I think it's just the fact of it that you can't get across as much information 
as you used to be able to. And so I think that really making it so that you're really giving kids the information they need, the work they need. And like, there's nothing wrong with providing additional optional extra practice. Like for example, my biology teacher has, I think been doing a good job, especially with a subject as dense as AP bio. Quite. Um, he has done a good job at during he assigns us lectures and like study guides and those kind of things as like our own time work. Then it's on us to do it. But then during class time, he goes over it and it and talks to the students. That's a big thing. Interacting with students. That's one of the things that I think has been lost most is discussion. Mm-hmm. I know me, I learn really well from discussion and having to explain cons, especially in something like bio, having to explain the concept of a phospholipid to someone else it's really important for me. And I think when teachers never have kids unmute once during class, it really kids. And like, if you call on kids, then they have to unmute. And if they don't know it, then they are showing you that they don't know it. And so I think encouraging participation verbally is really, really good for teachers to do. Yeah. What you've described is something called the flipped classroom, which was kind of a movement or an idea that came up at least five years ago. So that's what's been really interesting, I think, for John and I, and I've talked with other educators, that there have all these ideas for distance learning, for flipped classrooms, for integrating technology into schools and into classrooms have been around for actually quite some time. Now, teachers are forced to try things that normally they wouldn't necessarily do because, you know, there's a learning curve. And I think as adults, uh, we hate not knowing things. And particularly as educators, we hate not knowing things as well as our students, which I'm confronted with every single day when sixth graders, you know, walk me through how to set up a band app um, or things like this. And it's like, wait a minute, uh, I'm the principal of the school here. And it's like, oh, all of a sudden, we talked about this a little bit on a previous episode, all of a sudden the roles have changed where I'm not necessarily the expert in all things in the classroom and students actually have expertise in some of these areas that I don't have. Have you seen any of that in your classes, Ronan? Um, uh, Certainly. Uh, I I think just, I mean, I I think it's partly just an age generational thing is that my generation is much more tech literate than the generation of the educators. And I think that while there are, of course, exceptions and like through, if, if a teacher is dedicated enough to learning the tools, they can definitely do it. It's definitely, they have to put in extra work this year to learn on top, on top of just focusing on teaching, they have to focus on how to use Zoom, how to set up a Google Classroom, how to grade papers online, like all of that. Um, I, I have gotten lucky, I would say, based on what else I've heard with my teachers. Generally, my teachers have, after the first week, for sure, been on top of knowing how to use their, the Google Meet or the Zoom that they're using and how to use their classrooms effectively. I have been lucky with my teachers, but I definitely know other people who have other teachers who have been much worse at it. And again, that's not necessarily the fault of the teacher. It's just a condition of what of this kind of education. Right. You know, so, so many of us are sort of reporting that for the first time in X number of years, they feel like they're rookie teachers again. Right. 
And that's a, that's a weird place for veterans to be, you know? But this is the world we live in, right? I mean, as Jennifer was saying, the, flip, the flipped classroom or flipped instruction is hardly a new thing. But lots of people, when it emerged as a trend, didn't pay it much attention. And so an opportunity to learn something five or six years ago that might have really paid dividends, they let pass. Now, everything that we have to do to make this environment work is right in front of us, and there's no way to get around it. And that's exciting to some, and uh, drinking from the fire hose for others, right? Like, it's just, it's too much, right? But I think your point about looking for the essential, right? What is the through line of this class, okay? Where does this class end? Okay, I've been talking with colleagues at my own school about this idea of think about what you want that final to be, okay? Make it really tight, okay? You don't, there's a, there's a, there's a value in lots of reading. There's also a value in very focused, tight reading. Deep as opposed to broad, okay? And so I think that your, your suggestion is very, very good. It's very good feedback. It's yeah. a good plan, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely, in my experience, the classes that have transitioned the smoothest are the teachers who have taken the effort to really focus in. Um, my calculus teacher, for example, has really lessened his workload this year on students as opposed to previous years. And he has created like the homework assignments are every day we have to do 10 problems for homework. And that is it. And I, he, he's really boiled down the concepts into what they like the essentials again, because this year it's both on the teacher side and the student side, it's harder to do the things that we were doing before. Right. So you, you we can't take, we don't have the liberty of doing extra this year as far as like, what's in the, what you're teaching activities. Like it's, it has, you have to just hit the essentials because it's harder to get them across. Right. And there's so little time bandwidth to noodle. Right. Yeah. There, I, people my, run out of gas on zoom faster than they run out of gas live. Right. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I know at least at my school, there's less in-person class time per week with the teacher. And I'm sure that's the case at, at many, many districts, but there's just less in-person class time. So really offloading. And if there is extra, if there is other stuff you need to cover, especially in APs, I know there's so much information, you need to offload that into non-classroom time. On, in almost all of my APs, they post like lectures, optional sometimes, like optional worksheets, extra lectures and other stuff on the Google Classroom and are like, if you're still confused on this subject, see it and then come talk to me in office hours so that during class time, they can really focus on getting through as much in person as they can. Yeah, some AP curricula are so dense that they're impossible to teach in virtually any high school schedule. I'm thinking about AP art history in particular. Right. And so those teachers have already done the work of the offloading. Right. That is excellent advice, Ronan, for for AP teachers listening. You can't do everything. And 
even if you could in a Zoom environment, people are just gonna, they're just gonna burn out, right? So think about what the, the main through line is. And then the supplemental through line you do in this other way. And for those students who are really jazzed to get a five, they're gonna, they're gonna do the work that's required to piece the pieces together. The student who doesn't wanna do that is probably not gonna do it no matter what the framework is, right? Yeah, that's definitely a big thing, I think, that like this year, it's so much harder on the students in that they, again, you have to be so on top of yourself and so driven to get your work done because there's so much less uh, incentivization. I mean, mm. obviously you wanna get a good grade, but there's, it's also so much easier to get distracted. When you're mm. on your computer and next to your phone all day and on Zooms, which are often not participatory, it's just you being talked at, it's so easy to lose focus. I, I know I've, I've been doing it. I, I generally think of myself as a pretty focused, good student. And sometimes I pick up my phone and start scrolling through whatever while the teacher's talking. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So I have a question I want your perspective on. I think that college is quite a bit more like the experience you're having now than your typical experience that you would be having in high school, right? Talking about that like independent learning, that balance of independent learning or what you have to be self-motivated to do versus what the teacher is going to help you do. So here you are a junior and I definitely I'm sure you know some seniors you're getting thrown into um, a, an almost college experience. Do you feel like it is helping you prepare for college or do you feel like there's a reason that we don't start college until we're 18 or 19 because developmentally maybe I, kids need more time? What, what's your thoughts on that? Um, Okay, so I'm gonna take into account every, like all of the people that I know in school because again, myself, I'm pretty motivated academically to get my work done. And so, but I know a lot of my friends have been struggling so much and just put off all of their work to the last minute and then do it then because it's just so, e again, so easy to get distracted when you're on your computer all day and you could be playing video games instead. And so I think that there is a reason developmentally why we wait and also in college, I mean, other than obviously like general eds your freshman year, you are doing a subject that hopefully you kind of are interested in like, whereas in high school, you're, you have to do all of these classes, whether you want to or not. You could not give a care about science or whatever, and you would still have to take that class. And I think that's part of it, why it's harder for high school students. And it's also just a developmental thing. When you're in college, you're more developed mentally and all that. But yeah, I think it's, I think it's a valuable, I think it's a valuable experience, but I don't know if the cons of it in this way, like the online COVID way, I don't think the benefits outweigh the cons, obviously, though I do think there, I am gaining, I am learning how to better motivate myself, which I think will be applicable in my life later on, but I see why it's not something that's normally done. Yeah. Cause I wonder, you know, you definitely hear about a lot of kids, their first year of college, going off the rails, right? Because all of a sudden, and I always wonder about that, you know, in K-12, in high school, are we holding students' hands too much so that when they have that big jump to college where you have to be self-motivated, you have to manage your own schedule, have we prepared kids well enough for that? 
Um, I don't know if I have enough experience to really answer this question well, but what I would say is that I think that students, I think it really depends on the student because even in, even in high school, you get to customize your classes and your workload. There are kids who take five APs and do, do sports and, and choir and acting drama, whatever. But then there are also kids who do none of that. And I think that if those kids go to college, they might have a harder time of it than the other kids. But I think, again, I do think there is some merit to the idea of looking into, especially starting, maybe starting in high school, ramping up the independent requirements. Mm-hmm. But then again, I think it also could be, to, to like be devil's advocate, it could be exploited by kids who have no interest in like, college or like higher education who will just then use it to do less work i think it's a delicate balance Mm -hmm. it's a tricky one isn't it right what you'd want is for there to be projects demanding increasing independence and autonomy for students across every potential band of post high school experience right Yes. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I work at a school, I work at an independent school where nearly everyone, but not everyone, goes immediately to a four-year school. Some go to a two-year school. Um, some go to other forms of study, so forth, right? The bigger the school, the more diversity in the pathways, right? You go to a, 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 a larger comprehensive school, so you've got students probably pursuing eight or nine different pathways, right? If I Definitely. were the curriculum guy there, I would be saying, well, we've got this kind of experience for your Ronan Park type kids, but there should be something for everyone else so that what you just said would happen, just like if the only offerings to you were directed for those five other pathways and nothing for someone like you, you'd be like, well, what the hell is this for? Right? Yeah. And that's complicated, but it's the work worth doing. This is when we talk about the opportunity of the COVID, of the COVID context. Well, it forces us to rethink things, right? Maybe courses afterwards could be more efficient and there would be multiple pathways for deepening your, uh, your, your deepening your depth, really great radio. Um, but you see what I mean, right? Maybe yeah. you in a class would use your performing arts interests and go in one direction. I might use interest in language and go in a totally different one, but it's still AP language, yeah, that kind of thing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, one th- I think one thing that is a, is a positive coming out of this, at least for me, is because it's more independent, you have more control over how you do the work. Like, for example, I like to have music on when I am doing like, like kind of less involved studying, like I'm doing some more menial homework or something like that. And I have the option of doing that now more so than I did. And another thing, for example, is now when if, if a teacher gets through all the material that they need to in a class, they have the option of just saying, okay, kids, you can go now and be done with class and work on whatever, which in a more meaningful way than, and obviously this is more a thing of online school, um, but like you can be free to go and do it how you want. Or like if I get a lecture video from my teacher, I can set the speed to 1.5 mm-hmm. and get through it like that because I can still absorb the information at the higher speed, but it, then it takes me less time. And I like the option for those kind of things for people who 
learn better in those ways. I think that is a positive thing to come out of this. There's more option I, in how you study. I have been told by friends who listen to other podcasts that I do that they can't listen to me at 1x, that I only, I, I really come alive at one and a half. And I'm like, that is an outrageous thing to say. Outrageous. Thank Every you. Every once in a while, there's, John makes this pause and I'm like, is, is he frozen? Uh, should no. I say something? Should I feel? Oh no, that's oh. just one of the John pauses. I yeah. just got to wait it out. Yeah. I, it's like, I'm trying to think through, not the next thing I'm going to say, but what I'm going to say after it. And I just kind of get, it's like I glitch a little bit, right? But it's what makes me so adorable, right, Jennifer? Okay, is that what we're yeah. calling it? Is that the Browning, word? <laughs> I would like to ask you, um, have you learned anything about the, yourself as a learner through mm -hmm. this process? I definitely have. I, I definitely have. I think I definitely learned that... Um, I think I've learned what I have to do for myself to effectively learn. Like I've learned I need, especially in online school, to every day write out in a planner what my homework assignments are. Because I already had a thing where I just totally forgot to do a Spanish speaking assignment and then turned it in a day late because a friend mentioned it in like a conversation. I was like, oh, I need to turn that in. And so that's something I've definitely learned about myself. And more generally, I think I've just learned Again, going back to like how people are different in how they're driven, like seeing how I do my work compared to other people I know is completely different. Some people prefer to just wait and do all the work before, right before it's due. And some people prefer to like space it out. Some people do all the work as soon as they get it. I myself am more kind of do space out the work, do more of it as I get it, than wait to the last minute kind of person. Not that there's anything wrong with a wait to the last minute kind of person. But I think it's shown me more of that. And because you have to take, and online, you have to take control of your own learning process more. And I think it's definitely shown me that. Is there anything that you want to tell teachers, please stop doing this? Breakout rooms excessively. <laughs> Unless... The one exception would be if it's a kind of extracurricular team kind of base mm -hmm. thing. When I go into, when I go in like my drama class or my choir class, that's one thing to be in a breakout room. Or if you're signing them for larger groups, like, like when we do choir, we do the basses go here, the sopranos go here. But putting people into groups of three to discuss something is usually not a good idea because often they just won't. Or one person will be like, hey, can we discuss it? And the other people will just sit there and like, ignore them. So I think excessive breakout rooms is a bad thing. Maybe try to shift that more towards class discussion, which then you could run into that only some people share, but calling on people could be good. Um, and in general, I think, I don't know, it's, it's hard for teachers. And I think, I mean, most students, at least my, like we recognize that, but it's also hard for us. And we appreciate when you acknowledge that and also like take steps to, to like lighten the workload in places where it doesn't need to be as heavy. And just like connection with kids. It's like, we, we especially in high school, like you can talk to us. <laughs> you know. And listen, right? And listen to you. Yes, listen. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're, um, we're just about at time. And I think that that's about as good a place as any to stop. 
So, uh, Ronan, really extraordinary. I, I can't wait to have you back on this show because uh, you're, you're, you're an aces guest. You're a dynamite guest. And I look forward to talking to you more. I, I'd really like to have you, in all seriousness, in a couple of weeks to talk it at length about your experience about uh, being a, uh, in the performing arts. And because that's a unique challenge in this era. And rather than having you on sort of talking from a student perspective, I'd love to have you on at some point talking I'd love as to a talk performing about artist. Yeah, I definitely have a lot of things to say about that. Well, let's have you back on in a couple of weeks and we'll talk about that. Sure. If yeah. you're willing. Yeah. Sweet. Awesome. Uh, Ronan, thanks for joining us. Jennifer, any final thoughts? No, I, it's just so nice to hear uh, from Ronan and hear his perspective and he uh, has so much wisdom. And I think it's, that's what we have to remember is you can, and just like you said, you can ask uh, your students how things are going and listen to them and they know, they, they know how they learn, they know what works for them, they know what's working in the class. And I think that's one thing we need to do better is uh, uh, carving out the time to ask those questions and find out how it's going, do those check-ins. Brilliant. Thanks, Jennifer. Thanks, Ronan. Thank and you. Listeners, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll connect next week with a new guest as we continue our series on considerations during educa about education in the COVID era. Thank you so much for listening. Bye for now. Bye.